Hello, everyone. This is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you're listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Okay, welcome back. <clears throat> Today is May the 2nd. It's incredible how fast time flies. And I had a really nice um, anniversary dinner for my uh, parents last week, and it was their 60th wedding anniversary. And beforehand, I really prayed. And as time goes on, I remember as a new believer, um, I used to, and, and as a younger younger person, I used to think, I'm talking about early 20s now, I used to weigh um, my, my life and the things were, that were important to me were in direct connection to what I was able to accomplish and what I was able to do. It was outward. And even though I was a believer at the time, and knew that the inner man was important and that God looks upon the heart, I still put a lot of emphasis upon what was happening outwardly. And now as time has gone on, um, it's amazing how God changes you on the inside um, from where you came from to where you're going. And it, uh, to me, there's nothing more important now um, in my heart than people and family and friends and realizing that everything that we do, whether it's a job or a business or relationships or uh, whatever pastimes that we do, everything is connected and has to do with other people. And so I realize over time that we are the solution to someone else's problem. But when you get so entrenched in your own problems, you can't see that. All you can see is what's happening in your own life. And all of your thoughts revolve around how you can get from where you are into a better situation, how to get out of the fire, so to speak. And I completely understand that because the Bible says that through much tribulation, we enter the kingdom of heaven. And there's tribulation that's outward and there's tribulation that's inward. And there's times where both are happening simultaneously. So... We always have to readjust and reset ourselves as we go through life because as, a, as human beings, as a, as a man or as a woman, uh, you have a natural mind and we don't live in, in what the Bible calls a glorified body yet. And so we're subject to a lot of things that we don't really want to be subject to. Thoughts pass through our mind that... We know we didn't, uh, as an act of our will, think that thought. We would never think that thought if we were given the opportunity to choose from them. If you see a bunch of thoughts that were labeled and there were good thoughts and bad thoughts, of course you would consciously leave the bad thoughts behind. Because who would take poison knowingly? But yet thoughts pass through your mind that sometimes are just horrific and you wonder where do those thoughts come from. Well, the Bible talks a lot about thoughts, and it talks about casting them down. So not all thoughts are your friends. And I believe I can prove from the Bible that not all thoughts are generated by you. These thoughts come from an enemy, your enemy, a spiritual being or spiritual beings. And whether these thoughts flow through the air like um, radio signals 
or whether there's some type of um, of, a, of a power they generate that reactivates these thoughts that you've thought in the past and triggers them again, you know, like a trigger. If somebody hits your knee with a little hammer in, in, an, in the doctor's office and the reflex is that your knee goes forward, so I sometimes wonder if in that spiritual dimension where God is and angels are and demons are and the devil is, I often wonder if they have a way of triggering responses in human beings in the in the realm of thought or in the realm of dreams, things like that. I don't know. It's just a theory. But anyway, let's move on uh, from there. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6, it says, uh, I'm sorry, wrong verse. Let's go forward just a, a few to the eighth verse. So it says, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace... Are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man boast. So the interesting thing here is it, it says, for by grace are you saved. And that grace comes through faith. It doesn't say you're saved by faith. So we talk a lot about faith. I talk a lot about faith. Um, believers talk a lot about faith. But here, literally, it says, for by grace are you saved. Through faith, so I look at it like this: um, faith is is or grace is like water, and faith is like the plumbing system that the water comes from one point to another. So, again, grace is like water, but faith is like the plumbing system that that water flows through. Faith doesn't save you; it just gives you access to the grace that does. And both are gifts from God. It says that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God. So the thing is, as, you, as you're in the fire in your life, as you're facing troubles, um, for example, last week, and I mentioned this in the past, but I'm going through a test myself uh, right now, not a physical uh, test, um, not really a financial test either, but it's, it's, I don't want to go into it in too much detail because it, it involves uh, several people and banks and property and a lot of things about that nature. So, uh, and the court system. So this this problem has been stretching on for a number of years, and sometimes it looks like it's going to end, but not in my favor, not in my family's favor. And so I find myself praying, and I feel frustration because when my mind begins to calculate how long the problem has existed, and then it begins to weigh it against how much I've spoken positive words about it, glorify God in, in giving thanks for the answer for it, and all these things, it just seems like I'm running a marathon and there's no end in sight. And that gets, <clears throat> as a human being, that can get frustrating after a while because it's just like any other type of sport. Right, Whether you're running a race, the Bible likens faith to running a race, or your spiritual life, like you're running a race. And the race ends at a certain point. And in this race, there's different parts of the journey. You know, um, Think about an Olympic sport. You don't just perform once and then you win a medal. There's ongoing performances that lead up to the final performances before the awards are given. And that's what I liken those scriptures to when it says through many tribulations, through many tests and trials, 
we enter the kingdom of heaven. And so God gives us the grace to come through these tests and trials positively, better than we went in. And like the Bible says, we grow first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. We're, we are like the tree that bears fruit. And so the Bible says, don't despise the day of small beginnings, though your beginning be small, your latter end will be great. And sometimes in the natural, when you hear these scripture verses, promises, they're hard to believe. Or you feel that maybe you've disqualified yourself by something you've done or something that you haven't done. But when we start thinking about the works part and we start comparing what we're able to do against the problems that we're facing, a lot of times what we're able to do just doesn't seem like it's enough. So you move out of a faith-based, grace-based mindset to a works-based mindset. For example, if somebody hands you a shovel and says, go out in the backyard and dig a six-foot hole that's at least three feet in diameter. Okay, so that's quite a bit of work. You're probably going to have to dig it even wider than that to get down that far that deep with a regular shovel. And whether it takes you a day or two days or a week to do it, um, you know, a lot of energy will go into digging that hole. And when you're done digging that hole, there will be a sense of relief maybe a sense of accomplishment. Um, <clears throat> but either way, you pit it yourself against that dirt and you put your effort in to pushing that shovel into the ground, into taking up a, a, a shovel full of dirt, putting it on the side and repeating that process again and again and again and again and again. And so when it's all done, you've done something. You, you've, you've accomplished something. But that's not the mindset that the Bible's talking about in Ephesians 2.8. Because it says that you're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves, lest any man boast. If you dig a hole, you can boast. Are you following what I'm saying? This idea or mindset is also echoed in the book of Deuteronomy, where the Bible says that after they've increased and after they've been blessed and after they have wealth, uh, don't say in your heart that your own power has gotten you this success. But the Bible says that it's God that gives you the power to get wealth, that his covenant may be established in the earth. I'm going to turn there quickly. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 says, To not forget the Lord your God and to keep his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes. It says, Lest, in verse 12, when you have eaten and are full... When you have built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and your, your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold is multiplied, all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So this is, is a type. We can look at this in, in light of what we have today. Um, it starts out when you're eaten and you're full, and you've built nice houses. So... There was a time before that when they didn't have any of that. And so the warning is, when you come from a place where you have nothing and you get to the place where you have everything, don't say in your heart that verse 17, actually it says it literally in verse 17, and you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. Don't say that. 
that your power and the might of your hand has gotten you this wealth. But it says, remember the Lord your God, for it's he that gives you the power to get wealth. And so when we compare that scripture with what we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, there it says, for grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So all of these things that we see happening, all the blessings in throughout the Bible that are coming on to the lives of, of God's people are coming by grace, unearned favor. God has favor on you when you trust him. So have faith in God, have faith in God's word so that God's favor can come upon you. And when God's favor comes upon you, you come out the other side of the problem. Now, we can compare this mindset to what you see in the book of James, and it seems to contradict this. You know, sometimes people say, oh, the Bible is just a bunch of contradictions, and it's not. Things are put a certain way for a reason. You know, the Bible says, seek and you will find. It doesn't say anything about a casual glance. And the people who are trying to say that the Bible is, is one contradiction after another, they're either had their eyes shut and they've determined beforehand what they're going to see or what they're going to believe, or they haven't actually looked deeply comparing Scripture to Scripture, as the Bible says, actually says you should. So, for example, if we look in James chapter 2, <coughs> excuse me, in the 14th verse there, it says, But what does it profit, my brothers, though a man say he has faith and has not works, can his faith save him? So it goes on here, and, and James is basically saying, I'm going to show you my faith by my works. And we just saw that the other scripture said that um, we're saved by grace, and the blessings come by grace. So no man has any reason to boast. We cannot say that the power of our own hand has gotten us to this place. But yet if you look in the book of James chapter 2, there's a lot of scriptures there that basically say, that uh, it's an emphasis on works. It says, for example, verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? So these two ideas and that appear to be going in different directions are in perfect harmony with one another when you realize that faith creates the works. Let me say that again. Faith creates the works not the opposite. Works does not create faith, but faith creates works. So when the Bible says that we're saved by grace, through by God's favor, through faith, and that not of ourselves, what it's actually saying is, is that God gives you the grace to not only overcome, but to believe. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, not ourselves. We didn't author our own faith. Faith isn't an intellectual exercise. It's of the heart. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the developer of our faith. He is also the source of our grace. And so, as we focus on him, you know, Jesus, Jesus didn't say, I've come to show you the way. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the door. I am the resurrection. I am the life. So the focus of everything is on the person first and on the promise second so you, if you reverse it and you look at the promise first and you leave the person out the promise is only as good as the person who made it 
right? And so we look at a subject sometimes like healing or deliverance or miracles or prosperity, and we look at the subject aside from Jesus, what we have there is we've removed the grace from the equation. And then everything comes back to putting the pressure on yourself to figure things out, to figure God out, to figure prayer out. Are you following what I'm saying? So let me give you a good example. Um, back in 2005, I went through a trial, and it just seemed like it was never going to end. And it was by my, it was just myself and, and my dog. I didn't have a, a uh, girlfriend at the time. I, I was married once for 16 years, in, ca- in case you're uh, curious of it. And uh, that didn't work out, unfortunately. And as life sometimes throws you a curveball, didn't see it coming. Um, I guess I should have in hindsight, but it all worked out for the best. And uh, there's no hard feelings by either party and, and forgiveness reigned. But at the end of the day, um, I found myself alone and there was a little bit of bitterness there because I thought, Lord, I didn't do anything. I'm like a victim in this situation and <clears throat> I really don't know what to do next. And money was tight. And I found myself reading Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read this to you. And keep in mind everything that I've talked about so far leading up to this point. Matthew chapter 6. This is the American King James Version I'm reading in verse number 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So we can use the word money in place of mammon because that's what that means in the 24th verse. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? So I was in a position where, I mean, things were just not looking good. And I was spending all day trying to figure out how, what I could do to get myself from where I was to where I needed to be in life. And I felt like a, just, I felt like a failure at the time. And it was just me and my dog. So the energy that it took when I was thinking about these things was incredible. And the, the price that I paid inwardly was a complete loss of peace. And so I put John's gospel on um, I had a video where they they literally acted out. It was called the Gospel of John. It was a verse by verse acting out of the Gospel of John. I forgot what translation they used, but I put it on, and I listened to it every day for about a year. Sometimes I listened to it three times a day and fell asleep to it at night. So hundreds of times of listening to the Gospel of John over a 12-month period, and I did this because God's word that I was hearing made me feel good. And then, somewhere along the line, I just figured I'm going to do whatever is in front of me that day. I'm not, I'm, I stopped planning because my plans were leading nowhere. And I just wanted to live a good life. I thought to myself, if I never go anywhere in life, if I never amount to much from this point forward, 
the very at the very least i want to live a god a life that doesn't displease god i don't want god to be disappointed with me i want to be a good person to other people i want to acknowledge god throughout the day and not ignore him and put him first i just want to do something right and so that was the mindset that i went forward with now during those days i did some thinking about my life and i did put some effort into my work but my heart wasn't in it now when i say my heart wasn't in it i don't mean that i really didn't care what I, about the outcome of what i was doing i did what i did but i didn't live in that that thing. Let me see if I can make this a little bit clearer. You know, you go through your life and you go through your day. And sometimes your heart isn't in what you're doing. You're just going through the motions. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when something was in front of me, I did it the best that I could. But when I left that thing and went on to something else, my mind didn't go back to that thing. So you can go through 24 hours in a day and your mind is only in one area. Maybe it's thinking about the problem, thinking about possible solutions to the problem, calculating possible outcomes and plan Bs and plan Cs, and that sucks the life out of you. That's what it's saying here. No one can serve two masters. You can either serve God or money. That's why it says in verse 25, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body, what you shall put on. That doesn't mean you don't make a plan to buy a new shirt, new pants, shoes when you need them. It's not the body more... Uh, is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment. That doesn't mean that you don't check the refrigerator to see if you need new food, more food, new food. And then it gives an example of the fowls of the air. It says, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns that your heavenly Father feeds them. That means that God has a plan for them and a system for them. And then he says, are you not much better than they? In other words, God has something for you, but you're not going to be able to dig it up by works. You're not going to be able to bring it up from the depths or pull it down from above by your own ability. So we're saved by grace, unearned favor. There's unearned favor available to you for whatever you're facing today. God's favor can pull you through. It comes from faith in God. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't tell you, I've come here with a map so that you can find the way. He said, I am the way. Jesus said, I am the truth. In other words, focus on him. Jesus is the express image of God. It's true, we pray to the Father in Jesus' name. I don't want to go through all these technical things again. You can listen to them in other podcasts, but where's the focus? Where's your heart? So if your heart is in, like Samson's power was in his hair, remember? Some people's power is in their ability to remember scripture verses or their ability to uh, generate money or in their their ability to understand or in certain wisdom being able to figure things out and any of these things can be cut off right but Jesus can never be cut off so if your faith is focused on him if the source of, of the power in your life is Jesus himself Nothing can separate you from him. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And the love of God inspires the grace of God. And the faith that we have is nothing more than the plumbing system. It's not the power itself. It just 
the pipes through which the power comes. Verse 27, Matthew chapter 6. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take you thought for raiment? So why are you thinking about clothing? Again, these are just the necessary things in life. You know, the Bible tells us that if we have enough to eat and drink today to be satisfied with that. But most people, and I'm just, I'm just like you are, right? The temptation comes to look and to see what you have and to measure it against what you think you're going to need or what you were told you're going to need tomorrow. And then you worry or don't worry based on what you can see, right? And, and so inadvertently, you're serving money. But if you serve God, God will add all these things to you. So let's get right to the main point. Verse 31, take no thought saying, again, the power of the tongue, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Who are the Gentiles in the Bible? The people that don't have God. For your heavenly father, your heavenly father, your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So what I'm, what I'm, let me go back to that story again. I was sitting there. I was alone. I had put the energy into trying to figure things out. It didn't work. I didn't know what to do next. So I decided that I would just make it my purpose to live a life that was pleasing to God. And when something came in front of me to do, I would do it the best that I could. But I wouldn't belabor it by wondering, by asking questions, by trying to figure things out. Instead, I took that same energy and focused it on God and his righteousness and his love and his ability, and I went on with my life. And slowly, I came through the other side. And it happened so gradually, so naturally, and I didn't need to figure things out. I, didn't ha- I wasn't aware of my own power, so to speak, or lack thereof, which is the better way to put it. And God brought me through the other side. And he'll bring you through the other side. But you just have to learn that it's unearned favor that takes you through. It's God's grace. You're saved by it. You're healed by it. You're delivered by it. So don't put your energy into trying to figure things out. Real faith will create the works. And most of the time, I've noticed in my life over the past 30 years of walking according to my understanding of God's word and trusting him to the best of my ability at any given point, I naturally did the things that I was supposed to do without realizing that that was the thing I was supposed to do. Right? So if somebody tells you, right now you're supposed to get up, go outside, get in your car, drive to the post office, and there will be a package there for you. And you should do it right now. Somebody tells you that, you hear it, you understand it, and you make a choice to do it or not. It wasn't like that. It was more like all of a sudden I found myself doing something and it turned out good. And I realized, wow, it wasn't my own power. It wasn't my own. God was leading me by his spirit. It was such a still, small voice that I didn't even recognize it as God. I just thought it was my own. And I did the right things. When I went back and I tried to figure out what type of pattern that was or how that could be, how I could learn from it, how I could duplicate it, then everything just stopped. But when I just let go and simply like a child, trusted that God would have what I would need when I needed it 
everything slowly came together. Okay, that's all I have for you today. I hope that was a blessing to you. If you want to receive an update by email whenever there's a new podcast available, usually I have them out every Tuesday, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Um, That's what I try to do, though. You can go to the main website at www.faithtestedbyfire.com, sign up for the update list, and you'll receive an email every time a new podcast has been posted. So that's all for now. God bless you. Have a great week, and I will talk to you soon.